grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to California Haunts Radio this evening. Let me push my buttons. There we go. Now I'm about my buttons. I push the buttons. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. We've got a great, great, I was great show lined up today. Kind of uh, different from what we usually do, but uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to we're going to have a good time. Anyway, uh, I'm the owner of the uh, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at CaliforniaHaunts.org. We are totally nonprofit, so if you have a paranormal problem and you want us to come out, we will not charge you a dime to come out and help you. Okay, that's not what we do. We are simply here to help and inform people about the paranormal and to teach. So there you have that. That's out of the way. Now, now on the bright side, California Haunts Radio. That's what we're all here for. You can find California Haunts Radio at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. You can also find us on YouTube under the auspice of California Haunts, which I'm about to change uh, very shortly, like to, like this evening. Um, if you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe. We're looking for subscribers, and the best way to do that is if you look down on the lower right-hand corner of the video, you're going to see a little ghost with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes cap. Kindly click on that video, or kind of click that icon. It's going to be one of those days you can tell. Kindly click on that icon, and that'll make you a subscriber to our YouTube channel. We've got over 100, almost 190 videos on there that you guys can go back over from the last year and a half. And if you explore a little more on that channel, you'll also find some investigation videos from the team. So there's all kinds of stuff on, you know, over there for you to take a look at. Uh, if you see that ticker running along the bottom, um, like I told you, the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is a nonprofit organization. So everything for this radio show, from the computers to the lights to the mic, to uh, you know, to the uh, focus right Scarlet to help me ch- to, help, to help me control the mics and all that, it all comes out of my pocket. So when something breaks, I have to pay for it, just like uh, Streamyard and the internet and everything else. So I need a little help paying the bills here because you know it's, it's just little old me doing this. And uh, if if you could help me out a little bit, I'd appreciate it. If you look at the bottom of the, if you look at that ticker, uh, you can do that at PayPal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, you can go visit Venmo and then type in California Haunts. That's the easiest way to do it. But like I said, you know, this is my PBS moment. It comes out of my pocket, and so it's, it's kind of tough sometimes, you know, uh, to do this. And I want to keep these great guests like Sally and, and the others that have been on this week coming in here because I enjoy it. You know, I'm a journalist, photojournalist by trade, and I'm retired. I'm, I'm semi-retired from doing that. I'm, I, you know, I do freelance work. But other than that, it's between my freelance and being here at California Haunts Radio and doing this stuff. So that gives me this gives me a chance to also do that stuff. Okay, this weekend, February nineteenth and twentieth is the Mystical Minds Convention in San Jose. Going to have a lot of great speakers, a lot of great paranormal topics, Wiccan topics, you name it. So if you, if if you want to have a really good time, go on over there. Uh, speakers: Nazir Muhammad Chohan, Lorian Fenton, Brad Olson, Michael Fury, Blake Fury, Tiffany Turner, Robin Korak, Beth Seliman. And Shannon Del Florentino, and I may even stop in to speak once, at least once about paranormal stuff and ghost hunting equipment. 
That's mysticalmindsconvention.com. Okay, so visit that site. Sign up for your tickets. They're going fast. There's not going to be any tickets at the door. So the only way to get in there is to do it online. All right, so that's mysticalmindsconvention.com, February 19th and 20th. Business done. Boom. See? Even I have to have a card here to read off of. It's senility. I just turned 50. I'm not going to say how old I am. About a week ago, and it's just senility. Bulimia starts to sit in. You start noticing things. Our guest tonight is Sally Ann Monty. Sally Ann Monty uh, has written a lot of books. and I'm, you, know, you know how I am about telling people stories. I want to let her tell you her story. And, that, and this book that she's written... Uh, which which we'll talk about is is, is very unique in that I've I, I read parts of it. Um, I loved it. I usually don't like reading stuff like that, but I just absolutely enjoyed it. In fact, I, I want to finish it off. But I, to put it this way, I couldn't put it down once I started getting into it. And then I had to stop because, of course, I had other stuff to do. So um, we're, we're going to get her up in a minute here. But I want to thank all of you guys for your support. You know, the ones that have been coming, the ones that have been downloading at RSS, uh, the ones that you know are Apple Podcasts. Because we're not only broadcast here on YouTube and Facebook. We're broadcasting across Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, you know, I, 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 you know, all those formats. We're, we're everywhere. I mean, all you have to do is type us in and we're, we're going to pop right up, which is kind of fun. So I, I want to thank everybody for your support. And if you, if, you, if you can't, you know, if you have family members or friends that, you know, might be interested in the paranormal or even, you know, people that just want news items or whatever. I mean, as you know, by listening to us, we do a little bit of everything here. So tell them about us okay tell them about us because that's what we want it's word of mouth that's going to make this thing really take off and it started the last um, that's why i'm going to thank everybody you know since um october it's really started to take off and i'm really excited about it and i know i i, I know my producer is as well and my producer monica was real excited about it too uh but uh you know like i said we always need more 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 it's, it's like a greedy thing you know you once you start getting there you just want to build it up I'm going to be starting a, a TikTok for California Haunts Radio, so you'll be able to find us on TikTok as well, and uh, we're Instagram, so we're going to be expanding out that way too. Anyhow, um, I just wanted to thank you guys, and please, please share us with everybody you know. We do have business cards, and I know my, my producer and I, every time we go to a restaurant, we're like, we're running around handing these things out, you know, trying to get the word out. And here's some incentive for you. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be wearing the official California Haunts Radio t-shirt. And for people that uh, give us some links and, and can send us some information about potential guests, that would be great because if we if the guest does come on the show, I will send you a T-shirt for free. You will get a California Haunts Radio T-shirt, so that's pretty good incentive for that. We're also putting together um, where I'm going to be doing some reviews of paranormal equipment, and that'll be found on the YouTube page. And another thing we're doing also is we do have a Patreon, and I'm going to cut and, I, and I'm designing some really cool items like. California Hunt sunglasses and things like that. That'll be some incentive for the Patreon. And for a lot of our guests that uh, that come on, you know, an hour isn't really, sometimes it isn't enough time to tell the whole story. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up special interviews that are going to be over at the Patreon. So that's going to be coming up too, you know. So I want to thank you. Like I said, I want to thank everybody for their support. Now, with that said, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to bring Sally Ann on and let her tell her story. And here we go. And we're off. Hello. Uh oh, I can't hear you. Your mic's off. It was. It off. wasn't me. It was uh, the fairy on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, I believe it. It's the good fairy and the bad fairy. That's right. I call him good spike and uh, bad spike. 
remember when your mother used to tell you that stuff and the, you, you were forever glancing up at your shoulders going, uh-oh. You know, it doesn't end. I, it in, fact, in fact, in, my, in this book that you talked about, one of the chapters is uh, called Good Spike, Bad Spike. I still <laughs> have that problem. Hey, can I, I give think, a shout out? I want to give a shout out to uh, to my buddies who are out there watching. My the you East can give Coast a shout girls. out to anybody you want. We're we're open and fun wow. here. I love you. I miss you guys. Thanks, for, <laughs> there thanks for having me. <laughs> there we go. I'm really excited to have you on. You've written a lot of books. I wish I I wish I could sit. I've got two books in the works, and it's like every time I sit down to write, there's always some kind of distraction. And then I'm one of these people. I have to have like five six projects going at once. My sister laughs. She comes to my I house. Call, yeah. Goes, well, this is cool, but you're not done with this, and this is cool, but you're not done with this, and this is because I'll go from project to project, and I'll get bored, and then move on, you know, and that's the problem I have. So I sit down to write my books, and I just get to the point where I'm like, okay, that looks like more fun. I'm going to go over there, you know. Short so, stories. That's it. Try. Is that the answer? Short stories. That's the answer. Maybe that's what it was because when I was working as as a as a journalist at the newspapers, I didn't have a problem with it. You know what I mean? Because I had that's short right. stories. 500 to 1,000 words and away we went, you know? But with this, and then the other problem I have too is as a journalist, they teach you to write short paragraphs in journalism school. That's true. So when That's I have true. to write books, it's agonizing for me. Yeah, you have because to go I, in the other direction. Yeah, I have to rethink how That's I do right. it. But anyway, That's right. enough about me. Let's hear about you. Tell me about you, and then we'll get into this terrific book you wrote. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1961, and I grew up in Bensonhurst, and the mafia was all over, and they were killing people in my neighborhood, and my, a couple of my friends didn't make it out alive. I mean, I'm working on a book called The uh, True Tales of True Tales of Something from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, about the mafia, but I don't think I'll ever make, I won't ever publish that book, but it's got some fun stories. But that's where I started in a I always believed in the paranormal. I uh -huh. um, and the mafia has something to do with what I'm going to say. I, okay. you know, I shared a bedroom with my grandmother when I was a little kid, and my bed was against the wall, and that was the only way I could survive my childhood with all this violence around me is having my back against the wall. And my secret fairy person who was there on the top of my David Cassidy poster who would watch over me every night, um, and so. You know, a lot of people think that's BS, and I don't. You know, I watched the Flintstones, and they had Shazam, so I have my own little Shazam. <laughs> that's awesome, David Cassidy. You know, it was funny because I was watching um, a Bonanza. My mother used to love to watch Bonanza in her old age. And I saw this kid come on there, and I thought, dang, he looks really familiar. And then it dawned on me it was David Cassidy before he grew his hair long. You know, and it never occurred because, you know, you know, you know him as the singer of the Partridge family, but you never think of him doing other things, right? That's true. And then all of a sudden you see him and you're like, hey, that's it. I even took a picture of a, a screen crab for my friends. And I'm like, you know who this is? Nobody knew. But it's just, yeah. it's just, a, it's just a connection to David. I'm just saying is it's funny because you always picture them doing one thing. And then, you know, when they do something else, you're shocked because you don't really, you just, you got this mindset. I, I didn't yep. realize back then that he was such a pretty girl, and that's why I was madly in love with him. <laughs> I figured that out. I figured that out, and that that's kind of what this book is talking about. Um, is really just fate and destiny, and kind of when 
uh, you get a gut feeling about something and then eventually that gut feeling comes to fruition. And uh, like early in my life, I didn't identify it the way I do now. I really am tapped into my spirituality and, and into intuition and all of that. I, I wish I could have been a little bit of that in my youth, but I wasn't. So, um, so I'll, I can read this very short, tiny page, okay, which will give fine. you a, syn a synopsis of, of the book. And it will also uh, lead up to what we're probably going to talk about, which is right, fate and destiny good. and how it, it affects your race. Okay. Go so this it. reading, I'm going to give you a little Brooklyn oh, accent. Figure out. Oh, wrong button. I always do this lately. Oops. Look, check this out. There you go. See? Hey, thank you. Go for it. All right, I'll give you a little Brooklyn accent, but I'm rusty. <laughs> I was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1961, the first born and only female offspring of my Italian-American parents. In this rigid society, ingrained with generations of tradition, young girls were taught to cook the Sunday gravy as soon as they could stand on a chair at the kitchen stove next to their mothers and grandmothers, all in preparation for marrying the man of their dreams, a hairy Italian-American boy by the name of Dominic or Vinny. I knew there was more to my future than the cookie-cutter lifestyle my parents stamped out for me, and as I pushed aside my fear of dam damnation for my unconventional thoughts, in 1980, I married my one and only boyfriend, and we spent the next 15 years growing our family of four young children. As I slowed from my usual stop sign one day, a block from my Staten Island home, I felt a familiar nudging in my gut, an elusive indicator that drove my life, my life choices. I found myself sitting in my car, unable to move, while my mind began counting the many blessings in the last 34 years of my life. In contrast to my soothing list of gratitude was an overwhelming sense of foreboding that overtook me on that corner. As surely as I was breathing was the certainty that everything was about to change and change in a big way. And unbeknownst to me, it was. By an act of fate via misdirected email, I would soon meet Mickey Neal, a woman who lived 3,000 miles away in Alameda, California. And we'd soon admit our love for each other. Admits the warning bells of our new friendship took on a life of its own. With my ears ringing and my head spinning, I did nothing to stop it and everything to encourage it. Fate began to rapidly steer the course of our lives. Would we find a light at the end of this tunnel of despair? Which it was back then. Right, right, right. A that was my You know, when this started to happen, when this started to happen. Well, let's go to the beginning. You got the email from her. From her. And you know, there was, let me put in a little bit of context. There was no internet then. We were right. on DOS and uh, you probably weren't <laughs> even born then. Yes, I was. I had the first Tandy computer, okay? Okay. <laughs> That's where I was. I was typing in all my stuff to get, you know, to, to get the little Buffalo guy to jump up and down. That's how bad it was. There you go. So we were... Um, <laughs> I had sent an email to a friend of mine and that's all you could do then was send email. And, uh, and I had left the number one off. His email was, let's just say, um, cat at abc.com. 
And Mickey's email was cat1 at abc.com. And I left the one off and the email didn't go to my, my friend. It went to her. I switched up the emails. It went to her. And I just got an email back saying, hey, I think you meant this for your friend because I keep getting all his email. People are leaving off the one. And I'm from Brooklyn. I'm like, what? You know, like no one is that nice in my neighborhood where I grew up, you know. So I was shocked that someone would be that kind to me. And that just, you know, began a very fast and furious friendship. We were both married for almost 20 years uh, to our husband. I had a bunch of kids. She didn't. I lived in New York. She lived in uh, Alameda, California, San Francisco Bay Area. And that's the story, how that all evolved from a gut feeling, which has ruled my life from as far back as I could remember it. When did you guys, because obviously you were both married, you know, had your families. When did you realize that you were building up feelings for each other? Um, I would say within a ver- within three months, about three months. Wow. We couldn't identify him, but we knew there was something going on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so this uh, this progressed. I mean, what was going on with, with your married life? I mean, were, were you still the happy little housewife? Or I hate to say it that way, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, I was. Um, and uh, uh, as it turned out, my ex-husband, at, my husband at the time, and myself, and Mickey and her husband at the time, we kind of became a you know friends together because. Uh, we were interested in each other's lives. They were polar opposite. And, uh, and we just all became friends. So I, we were both still very actively involved in our marriage and not really quite sure what was going on between us, but we knew that it was not, we didn't, I didn't really realize what was going on. She realized before me. And, and, and one day on a Sunday when I was frying meatballs, you know, while the kids and my husband were out playing, in the backyard, she blurted out, I love you. And, you know, and I thought, oh, we're best friends. You love me. And, she, you know, that's not what she meant. And that is really where it all spiraled out of control. So, okay, when you say out of control, what, what does that mean, out of control? Uh, I would say we were fairly obsessed with each other. Uh, we, you know, spent all our time on the phone Back then, writing emails was a big thing. To get an email to actually go was a big thing. So we, it was very much a snail mail environment where you wrote wrote cards and letters and things like that. Uh, we just started to share the uh, events in our life and the people in our life. We, I made a video for her and she made a video for me. And that we got to meet each other's people or tribes, so to speak. Um, and it was just really a, a, a friendship that I had not had. I had had one other friendship. It went that deep, but it had been a really many decades since I've had somebody affect me that way. Now, let's do this for the, for the, for the young folks out there. When, she, when, you, when, she, when Sally refers to snail's pace and slow email, we're talking... There's no, you know, the, the, there is no wireless stuff going on. We're talking, we're on dial-up here, guys. You have no clue how slow and miserable dial-up was. And the, and, and the, and the um, processors on these old computers were horrible, just horribly, horribly slow. You know, my first computer probably had 
18 megabytes on my Tandy. And that that's all I have is of memory available on my Tandy. That's, that's how bad right. it was. We had to type in if we wanted any kind of software to run, unless you were very lucky, you had to type in stuff like they would, when you bought the computer, they would send you books on different <laughs> little things you can that's make right. the computer do. But you spent hours typing it in. You mess up one line, it's game over. That's how it was. And God forbid somebody was on the phone or, want, or in the middle of something, when, when, you're, when you're trying to get an email out, somebody picks up the phone. So it's, it's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it was, Di it was. Dial up was your best friend, but only when it made that yeah. shh, then you're like, yes, I'm connected. But if it didn't do that, you were screwed. It's kind of <laughs> you're like you're not going to get on. Like when you guys send a fax, that's what it's like. It's that noise. It's the same same noise with the fax, only you're dialed up to, to, to be online. America Online had, had the corner on all this, man. It was craziness. So yeah. I'm really interested in this because, I mean, like, 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 like with the way, like you say, the way communication was, then you're talking about sending a video too. I mean, that's insane. Well, you know, I remember we were trying to send pictures to each other and, um, and I sent mine the old fashioned way in the mail. And uh -huh. she went to Kinko's and paid, I think, something like $45 to have one picture scanned onto a floppy disk. And, uh, and then when she got home, they did it in a different format and it didn't work. And it took something like two weeks to get this thing. And then after all that, you couldn't attach it. It was too big. You timed out. It, <laughs> yeah. And all you looked at was a blue screen with a bunch of dots. I mean, it was... Yes. Yes. <laughs> but my world became this little square box that uh, had her name in it. And this, and my name would come up on her screen. Um, and so we always kept our computers on as we were going about our busy lives. You know, oh, I see even the kids would say, Mickey's on, Mickey's on, because they wanted to talk to her. Um, so everything was very archaic in those days. Absolutely. And I remember the old Macintoshes too, when they first came out, all they did was crash, but that face would, that little box with the smile would come up. That's right. And so it would crash and come up and all you'd see is this big smile and you'd think, oh, you miserable little, you know. Yeah. So you're building this, how, how many years did, 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 did this go on via, <laughs> via email, like the back and forth with the miserable internet? <laughs> it didn't go on very long. We met in August of 1995, and by uh -huh. September of 1996, I had moved to California from New York with my husband, our children, our dog, a turtle, and my mother-in-law. And we drove cross-country with the U-Haul and a caravan behind us. Um, and then, uh, you know, we went about living our, our lives as friends. We were friends. We hung out together. Um, and, you know, it just became, we just fell in love. I mean, that was the bottom line. We fell in love with each other. Um, for me, it was a defining moment to my sexuality. It made a lot of sense. I was completely repressed. I had no clue why girls hit on me in school all the years I went to school. I'm so upset about that. But anyway, it, you know, in, in, in seriousness, it was a defining moment in my life to realize that I was a lesbian and had been one my entire life. So that was big. And I mm -hmm. had a husband of four kids, mm -hmm. uh, Italian Catholic family. So, and, you know, I left and moved 3000 miles away. And that was not, that was almost impossible to do. 
in, in the environment that I grew up in. You know, what people did it, didn't do did that. Your, did your husband realize what was going on or did you have to like literally go to him to come out and say, hey, you know what, Mickey and I have been communicating and there's something going on here and, you know. Um, you know, I think both husbands knew that there was very deep love between me and Mickey and they weren't quite sure if it was normal. I think that's kind of how it all manifested. Okay. So okay. Um, I don't think either one of them expected e for either one of us to say we wanted to end our marriage because we were in love with someone else. Okay. 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 And then you were talking earlier about your intuition kicking in and, and, and the paranormal end of this. What was going on with you that way? You know, was it that you felt a special connection with her? And she, you know, you, you know, sometimes the people, when they get close, even friends, you can start knowing what they're thinking. And, and this starts going on because there's some kind of connection that comes across the, I can't say airways, but you know what I mean? That comes across. Yeah. Kind of like a mother has mm -hmm. kids. So did you have kind of that stuff going on too? Well, I would say yes. You know, the day I met my husband, I was invited at the last minute to a wedding. I was 15 years old and he was 19. His cousin married my best friend. That, mm -hmm. um, and I went to this wedding uh, to the church and I was invited to the reception as well. And I walked out of the church with my mom and I turned to her and I said, something really big is going to happen today. My, I, I, I have this feeling and it's like right here. And, um, and she's like, of course, something big is going to happen. So-and-so and so-and-so -and -so got married. It's a wedding. And that was the, the night I met my ex-husband. Uh, so I, I, would, I get gut feelings when I know something big is going to happen. And I would say I've, I've met a, a close circle of soulmates in my life, people that I have had in a moment's time. It's like, I've explained this to a friend of mine. It's like the, the universe will stop the world just for a split second, crack it open the tiniest crevice for this energy to come out and for you, for two people to connect, for them to, to be united in, on a, in a deeper way, on a deeper level, not like in a way that you know this person is defining in your life and special for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And every time I have had that encounter, it has been preceded by an incredible gut, almost a physical punch to the gut. And it realizes itself, it could be moments, it could be hours, or it could be years. So that's so, your angel on your shoulder talking to you. I think so, yeah. That voice. Right. So meeting Mickey, we, I, we were both clear that you know, we for sure had a deeper connection. Um, and, you know, we were on the same wavelength a lot of the time. You know, if I thought about something, I would call her up and she would say something. And I'd say, I would just thought about that. That's why I'm, I'm calling you. So there's that, uh, the energy that goes between soulmates that keep you connected, that you sometimes think you're thinking something, but what you really are is hearing them thinking it. And it's coming to you at the same time it comes to them. And that still happens actually to this day a lot. Do you think that Mickey possibly could have been involved with you in, a, in, a, in another lifetime? I do. Yes, I do believe that. 
I believe you travel in in like through your lives with with a circle of soulmates and maybe, you know, now she's my wife. Next time she might be my sister. The time after that, your child, you know, uh-huh. I, I, you know, that's my spiritual belief. I believe that too. I believe that we travel in the same circle of people. And sometimes, like you say, sometimes they'll come in, in different roles, but, but they're there. And that's why you feel familiar, you know, with people. Mm-hmm. That you meet, yeah. like even in school, you'll you'll find somebody that that you feel familiar with, the ones that don't tease you. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> right. so, yeah, I, I do. I, I think I, I think similarly about traveling in circles. Now, coming from your background, because I know my, my my brother was gay, and uh, my family's Catholic. You know, we're Mexican. Okay. But so, I I kind of you know I, I understand where you're coming from with your background and having to just face your mother down, you know, when, when all this started to go down, how did your mother take it all? Well, my mother passed away uh, many years ago when she was in her forties. Um, mm-hmm. So she didn't, she didn't live to see the, the, the embodiment of me evolve into what, um, what I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to go back to that because I do have a, a, a spiritual story about that. But briefly, my dad pretty much flipped out, and um, uh, but he came around. But it took him a decade because he would not come visit us uh, in our home. It was okay if we visited him; we could stay in the same bedroom, but we weren't supposed to say we were married or together. And he wouldn't come to our house. And after he did, after ten years, he never stopped coming to our house. He adores my wife, and uh, the relationship between the three of us are actually is beautiful. And um, and that certainly wasn't the case with my ex-husband and my dad and myself. That's a different dynamic. But my mom passed away young, and um, I went to a psychic back in 1998, and um, I was dating another person at the time, and she was big on psychics, and. Um, and she kept dumping me and, you know, I kept trying to figure out why you keep dumping me and then want me back. And I just kept, you know, just kept happening over and over. So she, she would go, okay, today we're going to meditate. So we would meditate and see if that worked. But she had a psychic, a friend who knew a psychic. And I called up the psychic and I had a, a personal psychic reading with this person. Um, and originally I wanted to speak with her about this relationship that I was trying to separate myself from. And the first thing she said to me, and there really was no internet then either. She had no idea who I was. And she said to me, I see a woman. She's standing in front of me. She's petite. She has on a white nightgown and she's holding the hand of a little girl. And, and she said, is, did your mother pass? And I said, yes. And she said, well, that's your sister. And my mother had had a miscarriage before me. And, you know, back then they weren't going to tell you. Uh, the sex of the baby. But then my mom said two things. One she said was, she said, your mom said to tell you her feet don't hurt anymore. And my mother suffered from leg and feet cramps like I've never seen another person have. Now, how this person would ever know that, she would never know that. And the other thing she said is, your mom said she knows that who you are now, you're happy and she's happy for you. Don't don't feel bad about that anymore. And then the, the reading went on to be other things. 
but it was indicative of, I think if you are spiritually aware and intuitive and mm -hmm. you are having an engagement with another person who has that ability on a higher level than me, who can read, read your energy, that they will see things about you that they have no way of knowing other than to tap into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I think a lot of the fear with parents and then I know I heard my, my, my father say this because as my brother got older, you know, a lot of it was that he would get involved with, with, with young men. And of course the older he got, the, the less the young men wanted to hang around. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that was my father's biggest fear is my father, my father, in fact, my father reacted better than my mother did. And because he had been in the Coast Guard, so he had, you know, had that experience with, with, with gay men in the Coast Guard. Right. And, and so he understood. My mother at first was like your mother, you know, like, hey, you know what? That my dad said, well, you know, you could totally ignore me, steal your son and blah, 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 blah. So finally, my mom, you know, came around to, to, to embracing it. But I think a lot of the fear like my father had was that it's a you know, unless you get with somebody like like your wife. You know, because I have a niece that, that's married, that, that's been happily married for years now. You know, unless you find someone like your wife, it could be, it can be a sad life because, like, like as, as you get older, the younger ones don't want to be with you. and For sure. Ones, yeah, and then the, new, and the older ones are already settled in their lives. So I think that that's what sad my, sad my dad mostly about it. But otherwise, he, he was all right with it, you know? Um, it's different, and it's different for men. Women are, women women approach relationships differently than men. So mm -hmm. it's harder for men to be committed, you know, and it's a different, different dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Not all men, but I think they, <laughs> they're chemically challenged. I would say that I'm glad I'm not <laughs> a man. <laughs> I don't so, know how you cope with that. <laughs> so literally when you came out, what, I mean, you said your husband didn't, <laughs> didn't take it well at all but i mean with men no he took it great he, he took it great we had an amicable okay. divorce okay uh, you know we had started to pull apart you know kind of as you start to attach yourself to another person you you will kind of pull away from the person that you're most close to it sometimes right. and that's what had happened so we had kind of grown apart which was really odd because we were very much like this um, but when I, you know, when I told him, we, um, we decided we would tell the kids together and we would only tell the older kids initially because the younger ones were, you know, younger uh, and the older ones were um, early teens. So I remember we had a family meeting and, and he said, okay, kids, we're going down the basement and we're going to have a family meeting. And we sat down on the couch and I don't like not even a second passed. And he said this. We're getting a divorce and your mom's a lesbian. Just like that. Wow. And the, and the kids looked at him and said, oh, okay. Well, do we have to move now? No. Well, will you tell us? You give us like a lot of notice? Yes. I mean, and that's, that's all they were interested in at that moment in time, which I thought was an insane reaction. But I mean... It, our kids too were very gracious with um, with my transition into a lifestyle was very different from what they were used to, in the sense of having to explain themselves in school and having to uh, decide if and when they're going to tell anybody they have two moms. As far as 
what went on in the household, it was no different. It's two parents, a bunch of kids and jobs and bills and stress and therapists and all of that. It's the same. So, Well, I think, too, a lot of it was they had, I mean, like you say, they knew how close you were as friends anyway. So they were used to her by now. So, I mean, it really, yes, very much so. Yes. It, but, you know, the transition was a lot easier instead of it being like, 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 if a guy, like well, if anybody goes out and has an affair, you know, and suddenly right. there's a divorce and, well, you got to spend so much time with your, you know, twice a month with your dad and blah, 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 blah. Right. Perfect strangers because they, they already knew her. That's right. Yeah. So it made that transition yeah. a little easier, you know? That's true. But I can see how in school, you know, it, it would be something that, have to go in and, and, and explain to other kids, you know, hey, we're going to have parent-teacher night. Both my moms are coming. What? You know. Yeah, you know, um, we didn't get together right away. There was a year, a little more than a year or so that um, uh-huh. we went our separate ways. But when we did, um, you know, get married and uh, start to raise our family together, we were at an open school night, and there was us, the two moms, and there was these two dads with with another kid. And the teacher said, okay, moms fill out this form and dads fill out that form. And we looked at each other and we switched papers. I mean, it was like, okay, so what do we do? You know, <laughs> that's it, a lot of that has really um, changed since uh, federal recognition of, of equality, equal rights. It made, a, it made a tremendous difference. That was my other question for you. Did you guys have a, a lot of problems in the beginning because I mean back then it, it wasn't like it is now. You know, well, we were in, hard. We were in California, which is a fairly liberal state, and we right. were in a, a we were in the San Francisco Bay Area, so that was even more of a plus. We lived in a town that was diverse, had a lot of diversity, ethnicities and backgrounds, religious and different types of houses of worship. So there was a lot of uh, diversity where we live. So we didn't see too much. And it was more of the kids being bullied in school by friends that were uh, homophobic or against, uh, you know, gay relationships. Right. So, right. yeah. Did your husband stay in California or did, did he go back to New York? He did. He did. He remarried um, actually before I did. And uh, yeah, had. 20-year marriage. He passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately, but he had a very happy marriage with his second wife. And you had an incredible working career, too. I mean, your your, your background is incredible, the stuff you've done. I've done some things, you know. Um, I, always, I always like to help people and, like, share not so much my food. I'm a not food. I don't share food that well because <laughs> I'm a food addict. But I always want to share every other thing in my life. And um, and so I just grew up with that mentality. And, and as I evolved into a career, I would help people for no money, for no fee, for just because, because I could. Uh, you know, whether they needed to have, they needed a resource for this or that. Other consultants would charge. I didn't charge. And, you know, goodwill goes a long way. And um, and that methodology has really served me well because um, I feel like I'm 60 years old. I'm going to be 61 very soon, and it's like I've accumulated knowledge. Some of it is good, some of it is lame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've accumulated relationships and a lot of resources. And why should I hold on to these things? They're not doing me any good. 
So even in my career, I would I would go above and beyond that. So I was a grant writer for a number of years. I ran a consulting firm for eight years. Um, then I branched off on my own and I really focused on helping small business get money to train their employees. So in my career, it was about $18 million, trained about 800,000 employees. Some of those I directly trained, not much, but some in, in some leadership and uh, communication classes and things of that nature and business strategies. So I did all that. And, um, and then I, I got into music and I got into event production because when uh, we were fighting for marriage equality, I started a business called Queer Stuff Enterprises. And we used to host uh, monthly music, literary, and comedy showcases and give the money to charity. And the idea was when you uh, like walk into a play, everybody's like, eh, you know, look what she's wearing. But when you walk out of the play, you talk to each other, you've had this experience together and you now bond. So that was this premise, if you could bring people together through entertainment. And it just flourished. I wound up working with some filmmakers and Showtime and, uh, some of the queerest folk and the L word and um, producing literary cruises. And just, I've just had an enormously fortunate life um, to be able to do all those things. And along the way, I always try to bring people in and help people um, any way I can. Do you so. think that even now with all the openness, there's still a stigmata stuck to people that are gay? Uh, I think, yes, I think homophobia is still out there and in certain parts of our country. It's not mm -hmm. changed at all. In other parts, it's, you know, it, it's evolving. And in some parts, it's like, wow, we have a second home in Palm Springs. And I mean, 60% of the population is gay. And my wife always says, you have to come out to me uh, as straight. Otherwise, I'm going to assume you're gay because the whole town is gay. So there are parts of the country that are very gay friendly and parts that are very dangerous. So, uh huh, uh huh. Well, I can understand I, that. I mean, I see it every time. I mean, I was looking at, uh, I'm not going to say what TV channel here, but they had run something on Facebook about Anderson Cooper. You know, um, was it Anderson Cooper or mm -hmm. with the new baby? And the comments that were being said, I mean, it's just incredible. These people oh, have Andy Cohen. I think it was Andy Cohen. Yeah, maybe. They have to be, yeah. these people have to be flat earthers, I swear to God. You know, yeah. with the comments that, that they're coming up with. What so it kind of made, it, I mean, it, to me, I kind of feel like this is hell that we're living now. And uh -huh. uh, there is a other universe, an alternate universe, more than one of them. I believe there's aliens around us right now watching us, giving us a little test, saying, watch what these people do when we do this. Right. Um, and it just we, it just feels like humanity is wrong. It's just that no one cares about the planet. People don't care we're in a pandemic. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, what has to happen for people to love one another and get oh, yeah. along? It's just, it's just crazy. Let's clear something up. And I know that's one of the comments I kept seeing about that little baby being raised by two men, you know, where, you know, well, well, you can, you know, you can get it. I'm not going to go really into the deep comments, but what, how old are your kids now? 30s, all of them. 31, okay. 31 up to 37. 
so they didn't grow up uh and, and end up like 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 you know wild gay people or anything like that they just they, they just they just grew up normal normal lives they had two moms and they had a dad you know you know other you know they also had the dad but i mean living in, in the household of two moms it didn't it didn't really make a difference right i mean it just well you know they got they had chores they had allowance they got punishments and making amends they were not treated any any differently by mickey and me and as they were by their father and me and their father and their stepmother mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's what i wanted to clear up because you know a lot of these people you know they, they think it's going to be a different atmosphere for them and they're and they're going to grow up when you know what i mean you know what i'm yeah. saying i don't want to yeah. go into it but yeah and that's well i think it's changing and it's changing for the better yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think we're evolving. We're living through some pretty amazing history. So uh, I feel fortunate. I, um, I also live parts, I live, uh, my other home is in Sedona. So that's also a spiritual Mecca. Absolutely. Oh, I love Sedona. So, yeah. So you seem very spiritual. Not all the time. I curse a lot and lose things. <laughs> I turn into my father a lot. <laughs> Me too. And I'm really, I'm really good at doing an imitation of the New York cab driver. I'm really good at that one too. Sometimes, you know. When he stayed, um, he stays with us a couple uh, a couple of times a year, and uh, and if we do a project together, Mickey runs out of the room because we're both going. Where's the hammer? Where's the screwdriver? What are What are we doing? We don't even know. Hey, I have a poem I'd like to read for you. Go for it. Um, and it's it's called I Am Alien. And okay. uh, I'm writing a poetry book, you know, okay. based on love's pain and pleasure. Sure. And, uh, and this one was inspired by some witchery. Ah. So uh, it just talks a little bit about, you know, life in an alternate universe. And it's called I Am, I Am Alien. Okay. Fair I, I am I am alien. Under skin, matter becomes me. Power coursing, heavenly body, constellations contour your silhouette. Pulsing in the shadows where dusk meets dark, dripping into the Milky Way. Parched, my tongue a gyroscope of chromatic spectrum, awaiting your pot of gold dust. Trapped on my earthly spot. Gemini orbits swirling above, Starlink lasso, roped. Universe crams, body slams, obstacles be damned, meteor showering my tears. Naked and scared, I wait for dusk, where my wings thrust, spinning galaxies on their pivot. Lift off, I am alien. I come at the speed of light with you. Wow. You're so talented. That's incredible. That is really great. Thank, Thank you. you. That's very kind. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. I, I just, I just find, you know, the parts of your book that I've read, I just, like I said, you know, in the intro and I, I loved it. In fact, I can't wait to get back to it. You know, it's just, I'm it's just like, you know, I should have all this time in the world because I'm semi-retired, but you know what people, you don't when you're retired, you don't have the time. Well, you know, 
it has the word memoir on it. So a lot of people see that and are like, ah, it's boring. I don't want to read about that. But it really is just a love story. And it's a true love story. And I consider myself a nonfiction writer. So uh -huh. um, it, it has some intuitive stuff in there, some spirituality, and a lot of fate and destiny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But and how, um, how long have you and Mickey been together? Uh, September 9th, we'll be married 22 years. Wow. That's incredible. And when our friends read the book, some of them called us up and said, we're halfway through and we're worried you're not going to get together. And we're like, <laughs> but we are together. <laughs> 22 years is a long time. I mean, a lot of, a lot of couples it don't is. make it that far. It took, me a, it took me a very long time to write this book. I wrote the book in 2018. Was it just as much, and you know, married couples, it's give and take, you know, you, you have to bend with each other and work with each other. Was it just as much of give and take with, with you and Mickey as it was with, with your husband? It definitely is. In fact, um, back in the, in the uh, early 2000s, we were featured in Time Magazine. We just happened to get picked. We were doing a lot of um, marriage equality work then. And we were in, a, we were in, the, mag in the sex and love issue and what we were interviewed about because we were in counseling when we were raising our children we would go and not go and go and go as we needed and uh and we were asked the question is are the problems in relationships any different or the benefits in relationships any different for same-sex couples than for uh you know straight couples and the answer right. is no the biggest problem is communication you know and uh or thinking you know what the other person expects in you, and and you think one thing and they think something else, and that sure. that is a that is across the board. So, relationship wise, um, I will say this: it's the most respectful relationship I've ever been in in my life. I've never had anyone treat me as number one priority before themselves as frequently as Mickey does that. So that. It's still something that I'm not quite used to. It's still a head turner. That's that's fantastic. But do you think a little bit of it is to that because Mickey is a woman that the, the you know the, the stuff that goes through your head as a woman, the stuff that goes through her head as a woman, you guys know about it already technically, you know, so you understand each other more. Like like that 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 time of the month, you know, for instance, you know, where you know. There's going to be high emotions during that time. So you're going to be more, you know, nice to each other. Or you're going to, you know, just walk, tap lightly during that time. Definitely the physical uh, similarities are, you know, you're getting hot flashes. The other person knows what that's like, or you get cranky because of that. And they don't, you know, hold it against you. But uh, yeah, definitely. There's definitely an advantage on the physical aspect. I would say on the emotional side, I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't say there was a benefit dating a woman over being in a relationship with a woman over a man. Okay. Uh, okay. I think women are harder. Um, you, you know, men, you could kind of steer them here and there and everywhere if right. they want to be and women forget that shit. Uh-uh, not going to happen. Because I had read an article somewhere um, a few years ago when I was on, uh, on the, on the editor's desk at a newspaper where they had these um, relationship hotlines that people could call in and, you know, ask for relationship help. And some people were put off because some of the people they were calling were gay couples, you know, were people that were involved in gay relationships. 
but when they interviewed the people, you know, that were on the that, that were giving the advice, a lot of them said, "Well, you know, you've got a regular heterosexual um, relationship. It's harder to be gay and, and, and keep keep a relationship going." And so, yeah, it definitely the, comes the, with that with those challenges for sure. Yeah. yeah. So the gist of the article was that sometimes they were better off talking with a gay, you know, with, with a gay couple as opposed to a straight couple because they have to work harder at the relationship. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You know, it's um, I think it's hard to choose a partner because there's so much you don't know about them. And, and the uh -huh. fact that any two people could live together harmoniously for most of the time is a miracle. You come from different places, different backgrounds, different family dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why even straight couples, it, it's, a, it's, it's a miracle. Like my parents, 65 years together. Wow. That's awesome. And they were both on their second and third marriages. So, I mean, you know. Oh, wow. It's just, it's just oh, yeah, it's just awesome. So apparently yeah. the, first two, the first two or three didn't work, you know. But right. <laughs> any couple, I think, that gets beyond 20 years, is it's incredible. You know, some of our um, our kids will ask us for relationship advice. And, and we're like, oh, my God, by the time you're 60, none of this matters. No, you don't care about all of these little things. You just It just rolls off you and you just move on. But, you know, when your 33-year-old is asking you for that kind of advice, it's like as soon as you can get to the place where you can let these uh, you know, repetitive arguments and areas that you don't see eye to eye and just keep wanting the other person to change or meet in the middle. It's just like, let it go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't amount to anything in the scheme of your life and relationship. And I, that's why I love being 60. I hope I come back 60 every single time. I mean, it's a great decade. You really know yourself and what you want and don't want. Well, I think that that's the case. And I think, you know, when, when we're younger, it, we get frustrated because we're on that track to do this and do this and do this and do this. And then if we get a partner that's on an opposite track, it's just it's just a big clash thing. But then when you reach a certain age, you realize, I don't care if I do that. It'd be mm -hmm. nice if I could, but, you know, it, it, I'm fine with I'm fine with not doing it. And I think right. that's where things mellow out when you hit a certain age. I mean, you know, it could be anything to like one of us is messy and the other one likes to clean up. I mean, that yeah. works out great, right? Just don't <laughs> keep keep leaving the mess because I like to clean up. And if you don't, then I'm going to be bored. You know, that's a perfect that's relationship right there. That's it. <laughs> How long did it take you to write your book? Um, I went to China in 2011 with Olivia Cruises for Women. And mm -hmm. I met one of my dearest friends, Susan. And um, after that trip, we went up on the same trip together and there were five, of, five couples of us that all are still friends and go on trips together when we can. But Susan and I hit it off and she asked me this question. She said, Do you always, did you always know you were a lesbian? And I said, oh God, no. And she said, well, how old are you? I said, 34. Um, and she goes, what happened? And that's how it started. My, I started an email that I entitled in the subject line, The Sunday Gravy. And I went all the way back to, the, to my childhood and, and explained to her kind of the culture that I was coming from and how you're raised as a small girl 
The only goal in mind is get get married, make babies, get married, make babies. That is that's and be the matriarch of the family eventually. So it was a very different scenario. And um, every one of the chapters in this book that is titled, and every one of those represent an email that I sent to my friend Susan that later became the chapters of the book. Of course, it went through a very big edit and rewrite and blah, 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 blah. But it, without Susan, and it's, she's in the dedication in the front of the book, uh, this book would have never happened. It took 23 years to write it. Wow. And people would hear our story about this email and how we met and all this other stuff. And they go, you should write a book. And it's like, yeah. You know, I was writing short stories and I was like a travel journalist and doing stuff like that. I didn't want to, I like the thought of writing a novel. I couldn't even wrap my mind around it. So I still believe I'm a short story writer, even with poetry, it's even shorter. You can tell a story with a poem, one page, boom. And you could, you know, knock somebody's socks off. So start no, your just, book, Charlotte, start your book. book. Yes, I have to one story. Each chapter is a short story and then it becomes a book. You know what I thought of doing because I, I do have a blog that, that that I write, you know, for the activities of my team and, and you know some of the stuff we do, is taking some of those and making those into chapters and just expanding on them It'd be a lot easier. That's right. To find, to find ways to do that. Now, yeah. let's hear other books too. You write other stuff. It's not just um, this. Book. Yes, I've, I've written some um, short stories that went into anthologies with various publishers. Uh -huh. uh, those stories are probably, you know, five to 7,000 words. Uh, I've edited a three series of anthologies for Sapphire Books. Uh, one is about long distance romance. Wonder uh -huh. where that one came from. <laughs> and the, uh, there's another one that's all paranormal called Fandom to Fantasy. There's three volumes of really cool fandom uh, fantasy stories. And, uh, the editor of my current book is an incredible paranormal author. I don't want to give her name out without her permission, but I'm going to connect you with her because she's uh, just, she just won the, uh, I think it was 2021 or 20, 2020 Imagine Awards book of the year, paranormal book of the year. That would so, be great. Thank uh, you. I'll thank hook you up with her. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Very, thank yeah. you. You're so talented. And we kind of have, since I didn't realize I, that you had written travel stories. So, so yeah, we come from a similar background. So I, I just, I think you being able to raise kids and, and live your life and, and write all this stuff is incredible. You know, anybody that yeah. can do that. I've been fortunate to travel to very, to a lot of amazing places that I've never thought I would ever see. You know, the Great Wall of China. Uh -huh. um, I, wow. we, Mickey and I lived in Costa Rica for eight years. It was unbelievable. Um, the, the only thing that brought us back was grandchildren, uh, but it was an unbelievable experience. Wonderful country. Go there if you ever think about it. Don't think about it. Go. Oh, I definitely uh, want so. to travel. Yeah. So I wrote. I was writing for a travel magazine when I was living in Costa Rica. I was traveling all over the uh, that uh, Central and South America. So it was a good opportunity to do Fantastic. that. It was a lot of fun. So what's life for you like now? Well, I'm technically retired. Um, I help take care of my dad, not physically yet, but probably one day. Uh, I do all of his paperwork and bills and all of that stuff. And uh, 
Mickey and I own some rental properties. I manage that and I play a lot of music. I'm learning to sing for the first time in my life and started in 2019. That's been a journey. And I like to draw and do things like that. But I adore hiking in Sedona and I adore living in this house that I live in. And uh, one day you can have me back and we can talk about all the spirits I live with and the fairies. Absolutely. Black hat guy. And uh, by the, black, the way, the I, black hat guy too. The black hat guy. I saw the black hat guy the other day. I was going to tell my friend this in an email today, but I forgot. I was driving down Bell Rock Boulevard and this, I stopped for a golf cart because we live around the corner from this golf course. And I let this guy through and I turn my head and I see another golf cart. Only it wasn't, a, it wasn't there. It, I just turned my head and there it was. It was like a light green golf cart with that freakish guy with that hat. And he, he did that. This guy's been after me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. That's, if you ever want to have me back, we'll talk about fun. I do want to have you back. That would be great. In fact, I have a friend that lived in Arizona for quite some time. And she told me she was uh, doing her dishes and she had a window. And she said a T-Rex walked by. Oh, I believe her. it's yeah, insane. Yeah. yeah. It's an unbelievable place. If you can, if you're tuned in, you know, if you're thinking about paranormally speaking, and I'm not an expert by any means, right. but if you're thinking about something, it's a memory. If you're not consciously thinking about something and there is something there that you're hearing or seeing, right. there's something there that you're he hearing or seeing. That's awesome. I definitely want to have you back on. That would be fun. That'd be awesome. I appreciate you having me on today and you're you know promoting my book. That's really you, awesome. You have good energy. You're a fun person. Well, thank you. So are you. you know? But uh, you know, I, I just and, and and it's fun to have guests on like you. You know, I appreciate it. I do appreciate you. That, you know. <laughs> All we talk about yeah. is death. No, I'm kidding. You know, guys, I, I don't get me wrong, guys. I love talking about the paranormal, but sometimes, boy, you know, it can get to you after a while. Life after death and all that. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, I mean, know. it's fascinating because everybody has a different take on it. And that's what makes it interesting is, you you know, like a friend of mine told me um, who's really popular ghost hunter here in California, there's no experts in the field. And if somebody says they're an expert, they're an idiot, you know, because there's just no way to be an expert. So it's interesting to hear different people's takes because everybody has a different take. Sure. On this stuff. And, so and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, near Sedona, there's a town that was built up on a hill so that, you know, back in the day they could see if anybody was going to come and get them. Uh, and a town is called Jerome. It's an amazing place. Yes. Have you been there? I have not, but I, I, I've heard all the stories. Bucket list that, you know, they got the Jerome Hotel that is you know, still has active ghosts in there. Their, uh, what's their burgers are called haunted burgers. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> it's a great place. If you're a paranormal, a person who appreciates paranormal, you want to go to Jerome, Arizona. I did go when I, when I did visit Arizona, we only had a day to like cruise to Arizona. My, my friend had bought tickets to um, spring training. I'm a big baseball fan. So she had bought tickets to like a week of spring training. So that's what we did was that. And the, and the zoo in Phoenix, but we did get a chance to go to, um, oh my God, the OK Corral and all that. Oh, neat. Yeah. And she was yeah. seeing stuff. Right, cause she's psychic and, and she kept going, God, that guy's coming towards me. He's got one of those bowler hats on. He's coming towards me. And I said, what guy? 
you know, and what was funny because she had names. And so when I got back to the motel, I started looking stuff up and they were all in Blue Hill Cemetery. <laughs> you know, and I was like, see, wow. you know, and go to if you come back to Sedona and you haven't gone to the cemetery, it's a fantastic day trip. I mean, just you can drive through it. It has the most gorgeous views in Sedona and the stones are very much like New Orleans. The graves are very ceremonial. Some of them have fences and pictures wow. and. I love that. I used to go around up here and more even the area I live, go to the old cemeteries and just take pictures of the different tombstones. Yeah. Because it's like lumberjack yeah. ones where they have, the, you know, they have the piece of wood on there with the saw, you know. The yeah, that's to, right. To, to show, you know, what type, of, what type of person's in there, you know. Yeah. I have enjoyed this hour immensely talking to you. Well, and thank you, Charlotte. Have, I would love to have you on again. I'd love to be back. It, it's really fun talking to you. I appreciate um, your doing putting doing this show. I'll definitely pass the word about uh, folks who might want to donate to the cause. Fantastic! Would, Great. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah. I'll do that myself keep after us the alive. show. Yeah. Keep us and I want to, you know, thank you so much for having me on. It was really great to talk to you. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can find me on my website, sallyannmonty.com. Okay. Okay. Terrific. Well, it. again, I want to thank you for coming on. This was great. You know, um, and I didn't know what, you know, until I started to talk to you, I, I was, I was kind of leaning questions this way and leaning questions that way, but see, everything just started flowing and away we went, you know, so it was cool. Yeah, it was great. So, I appreciate it, it. And I really appreciate you coming on and taking your time All out. Right. So again, I'll, I'll email you later on tonight. We'll set up. I'm, I'm booking for March and April right now. So we'll oh, see awesome. You set up. Okay, All right, cool. And I can connect you with some really uh, cool paranormal people I know. Sounds great. Okay, I have sounds... a few in mind. All right. All right. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your evening. Thank you so much. Peace out. Peace out. Bye-bye. All right. That was fun. I love getting guests like this. That, that was a blast. And uh, we're definitely going to have her back on to talk about the ghosties around where she lives and stuff because Sedona is a very, very mystic place. Again, uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies because we're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Sometimes it's hard to find our YouTube page, so what you might want to do is go to our website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and click on the video that's on the front of the page, and you can get to our YouTube uh, videos from there, and then you can subscribe because we really want you guys to see these shows. I mean, we've got great guests like Sally and others that, that come on this show on a regular basis and, and I think you'll like what you see. Okay. Um, again, the whole donate thing is, you know, help us bring more exciting and informative guests to the show. Uh, donate to paypal.me at California haunts or Venmo and just type in California haunts. Again, all this comes out of my pocket. So if something breaks, I got to replace it. The computer goes down, you know, you know, the cost of computers. But again, I want to thank our guests, Sally, for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. And Without further ado, our guest tomorrow, we're going to shift gears. It's going to be health day here at California Haunts. Rena Greenberg is going to be on with us. And she had a heart attack at the age of 26. 26, she had a heart attack. And she took a hard look at herself because she, you know, the, the doctors, of course, came out like doctors do with a big pile of medications and stuff to tell her, you know, to do that. She ended up with a pacemaker. But she actually found a healthy and nutritional way to make her situation even better. And for the last 30 years, she has shared that with the public. And uh, she's been very successful at it, weight loss programs, things like that. So she's going to be with us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, usual time. And uh, 
I, I, I hope you join me because it's going to be an interesting show. I'm going to go ahead and share Sally's information uh, for you, her website, so you know how to get a hold of her, where to get her books, and all that good stuff. But again, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I'm trying to remember if I covered everything. Yeah, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Yeah, okay. Check, 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 check. Got a little checklist up here. But uh, thank you guys for coming tonight, and I really appreciate it. So here's Sally's information. And the website is Sally Ann Monty. Sally with a A-N-N-E-M-O-N-T-I.com. And the book is Light at the End of the Tunnel. And she also has other books. So it's not only that. She has, you know, fantasy, like she says, fantasy books and, and, and other types of writing that she does. So you can find those as well. And they are available on at her website and at Amazon.com. Again, I want to thank you guys for coming. I'm definitely going to try and get Sally back on the show, maybe in March or April. Maybe March. We'll see if we can do about March. But uh, thank you, everybody, for coming. And please keep supporting us. I really appreciate it. Like I said, we're going to be getting the Patreon really powered up here and uh, a couple other projects going on. So follow us. Keep up the good work and, and supporting us. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. And I'll see you tomorrow.